My name is Jason Beaver. I'm our student pastor here, and um, usually kind of in the back. Uh, they let me come out every once in a while, and um, so you get that, that pleasure this morning, so uh, you're welcome. Um, yeah, all right. Now, uh, this morning, we're going to be finishing our series that we've uh, titled Summer Playlist, and over the past uh, four weeks, we've been looking through the, uh, the book of Psalms, and we've been looking at individual Psalms and seeing kind of what they have for us. Uh, because the Psalms, as, as Mike alluded to uh, in week one, is a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that come through all of out uh, Israelites' history. And because of that, uh, they can seem like maybe they don't go together, uh, they don't have much significance or value to us, you know, over a thousand years uh, later, um, and so, and they may not make sense uh, because of their, their nature and their way they're written. But hopefully over the past few weeks as we've uh, dived into some of these psalms and to begin to look at them in the individualistic basic, we can see the practicality they have for us, uh, the meaning that they can have in our walk with God and understanding more and more what it looks like to have a relationship with him and to have a relationship with other people. Uh, and I hope that's been the case. And if you've missed one of those uh, messages, I encourage you to go back to our website uh, and to check them out. Um, this morning, we're going to finish up, and we're going to look at probably one of the most unique psalms and one of the most unique uh, set of verses in Scripture, I would say, uh, and that's Psalm 119. So if you have a Bible, if you have a version app, go ahead and, you know, thumb mark that. We're going to get to that in a minute. But Psalm one, uh, 119, Psalm 119, there we go, uh, is, is unique in that it's a acrostic poem. Uh, I'm not much for uh, writing poems or in poetry in general um, because I can't rhyme and I just don't know how certain things work and it just, it, my mind doesn't work that way. Uh, but I do know, right, something that is acrostic, you know, there's a, a rhythm and structure to it. And here we have the Hebrew alphabet that is used as this, this standard and this rhythm for this, this poem that we see. And so that each uh, little section, there's eight verses, there's 176 verses total, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each uh, alphabet letter has eight verses that fall underneath it. And so if you, in your scriptures, it may show that, or on the version app, I know it does, and you see the first letter, uh, first letter of the Hebrew alphabet uh, is like alf, and then you have bet, and then gimel, and it continues to go on. And that each of those uh, verses underneath that alphabet letter then begins with that letter. Uh, and so there's a lot of structure and rhythm to that. Um, it's, some scholars have said that that uh, <coughs> psalm was used to help teach uh, the Hebrew alphabet to, to your children. Like they would use that to not only instruct them in God's word, but also in a practicality of understanding their common uh, alphabet for their language. Uh, and so to me, that's fascinating to you. I'm sorry if I put you to sleep for a moment, but uh, it just, it gives us this foundation and this structure of understanding the rhythm that God has for us when it comes to his word. Uh, and that the structure that it can give us uh, when we use it to give direction and guidance in our life. And so in a moment, we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper. Uh, but before we do that, I want to pray and then kind of do a recap of where, where we've been. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to be in this place um, and to, to come into your presence and to worship you. Uh, 
to maybe be greeted uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, to, to be welcomed into a place. And so, Father, I pray that this morning um, that we felt that, that as we get ready to continue to worship by diving into your word and seeing the truth that it has for our lives, um, that we would hear that still, small voice, um, that we'd hear you continue to speak and to guide us and what our next step is individually and collectively together as a body of believers choosing to follow you uh, would look like. And so, Father, we give this time to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, three weeks ago, Adam introduced appropriately uh, Psalm 1. And so, so if we're going to do a look through the Psalms, we probably should start there. Um, and so he did. Uh, and in that, we found this tension that we come with right away. That we can either choose God, uh, God's ways and godly wisdom uh, for our lives, or we can choose to kind of go off on our own. And that we have to manage this tension, uh, really, each and every day, to, to wake up and to decide if we're going to follow what God would have for us, or continue to kind of to go uh, on our own. And then the next week, Adam, uh, Mike uh, reminded us of Psalm 46. And in that, we have a, a very famous verse, right? It says, be still and know that I am God. And in that, we just are reminded that when life is busier, even when life isn't as busy, that we're still called to be still and sit in the presence of God and allow him to continue to, to speak into our lives, to continue to guide and direct us what he would have for us uh, in that relationship with him and in relationship with others, to be still and to know that I am God. And then last week, uh, he, he spoke on a psalm that we're probably unfamiliar with. It was 109, and it's called an imprecatory psalm. Uh, and these are psalms that invoke judgment, calamity, curses uh, upon one's enemies or those perceived as the enemies of God. So it was a very encouraging message. Uh, <laughs> and it was just, right, it was different. It was unique. But it was one for me that I've, you know, I've grown up in the church and have gone to seminary and done these things, but I've never heard a message on that idea or that type of psalm. And from it, we were able to learn about having this honest conversation with God, that David, in the midst of everything around him, it felt like things were collapsing in and coming in around him, but that he could approach God with uh, complete honesty and, and to verbalize that with him. And at times in our lives, uh, maybe we've not done that when we should have, that when things aren't making sense and we have questions and we have doubts that God is big enough to handle those questions and those doubts and that we can come to him with honesty and he's going to continue to reveal to us over and over again um, that he's trustworthy and that his ways are true and righteous and that we can trust him to even take those things to him. And so it was a very encouraging uh, message for us. And this morning, I think this message is not going to be new to a lot of us. It's something we've heard over and over again, uh, but it's something I think we need to be reminded of uh, and allow the implications uh, to really then begin to change the way we approach God, approach his word, and, and to approach the, the way he calls us to live. And so before we dive into this again, I want to ask this one question. Where do you or who do you go to when you're seeking out guidance or direction or advice? So think about that. In, in times of that you want to be better with your finances or you need to make a decision on where you go to school or what career you're going to have or uh, if you should be in this relationship or not in this relationship, where you're going to go eat and like 
30 minutes? Like, who do you go to for advice? Who do you go to to get direction? Where do you turn? Pew Research in 2016 uh, surveyed over 35,000 people, and um, these are the results. It said, uh, most U.S. adults, 82%, including majorities of every major religious group, say they rely a lot on their own research when making a major life decision. Uh, that, you know, Google's our friend, right? We pull out our phone, we search, I don't know a question to something, I Google it. Um, I'm notorious for that. Uh, Mike, if he has a question, he asks me so I can Google it, and he doesn't. <laughs> Apparently, he's not good at Googling things. Um, and I have another friend who tells me that, too, and it just makes no sense. You type it in. I don't know. Anyways, but, but that we, we do. We do our own research. We begin to dive in, and we look at it. And the majority of us, I think, we, we've recognized and we felt we're, that, we're in that camp, that if we have a decision to make, that we kind of do our own research first. And then it drops down to 45% of people uh, rely heavily on prayer and personal religious reflection. So, so going to God in prayer and seeking his guidance through prayer and through his word. And then 43% uh, say family and friends. And so this idea um, is that we put a lot of really, back to week one, a lot of our decision making and figuring out what we want to do, we kind of do on our own. And we allow our, our own life experience, our own understanding, our own knowledge, uh, or the re <coughs> trusting of other sources, Google, uh, to give us that knowledge. And then if you're like me, I skip mostly at times, right, I'm guilty of it, of skipping the prayer and seeking out scripture, and I go to someone that I can talk to. Uh, and that person for me is my dad. And he's not my real dad, but he's, he's my dad. It's who, who I've called my dad uh, for the last uh, long time now. Um, but he, he's a person that I've gained to, to trust and to gain understanding and wisdom from. And so when uh, I decided to propose to Mandy, my wife, and, and just that decision of where we're going in that relationship, that I talked to him and, and my mom, and I, when I decided to buy our first house, I had him come over and to walk through it and to, to look at it because He's built things before, and he knows how to fix things. And so if I needed something fixed, he could come do it. And so, like, I had him look at these things and to understand and to seek his advice and his, his guidance on those major decisions, but also just even in everyday life decisions of what does it look like to be a good father? What does it look like to, to put my finances in order? He is the person that I would go to the most. And then I have a select group of friends that I would go to as well for those decisions and those conversations. And we all can think of someone right now in this moment of that person that's that trusted person we go to, that we go to for those types of decisions and those types of uh, questions. And that's not wrong uh, because we've gained that trust most likely because we know that there's someone that we can trust their character and their decision-making. It's been uh, proven over time, and probably, too, they have a foundation and a base relationship with God. That they've allowed God to direct their lives and to guide God's word to guide them and direct them, and it's been trusted so you can trust them. And I know that's what it's been for me. But this morning, we're, we're going to <laughs> put this book... Uh, the Word of God, out as the source that should guide and direct our lives. 
And so our first point this morning is this, uh, is that uh, the Word of God uh, is, is our guide. As I'm, a, I'm a father now. Uh, my son, or I've been a father for a few years now, so that's odd question, the thing I just said, sorry. Um, my son's six and a half, so, and then I have a four-year-old daughter, uh, so it's not any, but what's recently happened in this journey of being a father uh, is my, my son now is beginning to think a lot more on his own um, and to question things and to get these new experiences. Um, and so this summer, we got to go to camp at Butler Springs Christian Camp. Uh, and he got to go to his first day and a half of camp, an overnight trip, as a camper. Uh, he's gone with me to some retreats and stuff that I've led and, and got to be, you know, the cool kid that everybody looks up and laughs and get in trouble. Uh, but this is he got to, to really dive in and to, to learn what, you know, at his age level, what we were learning. Uh, and the theme for that week or that, the two days where we were looking at the Ten Commandments. Uh, and beginning to allow those to be something that we learned and memorized in that time frame. Um, and I have to say, uh, to be honest, when I, we went, there's like 80 of us there. The first thing we did was we had uh, all the Ten Commandments were listed out on this table. And we had to like do a relay race to put them in order. And it took us a, way too long to do it, actually. <laughs> um, but it reinforced this idea that sometimes we, we understand and at a young age, right, we learn the Ten Commandments and we put them to memory and we memorize them. But over time, maybe we've, we've lost that memory of them, that they haven't gone back to them over and over again to be that source that then guides us and directs us and sets that foundation for us. And so Weston right now, I still think he can recall some of them, which is good. Um, and it started a conversation between us now, though. He likes to have serious talk at bedtime. And um, we've been talking recently about who is Jesus in baptism. Uh, and as a father uh, and a pastor, um, those are some really proud moments for me, but some very scary moments as well. Uh, because what if I get it wrong? What if I give him bad advice or misinformation or he misinterprets something that I say or don't say or the way I say it? Um, and I remember the other night we were laying in bed and we were asking him to stuff. And I was like, does that make sense? And he's like, yeah, I, I don't, I can't recall everything you just said. <laughs> but, it, but I think I understand. And that's all I can hope for. And that's a tension that I'm going to have to manage for a long time now with him and my daughter, um, with some of your students who come to me with, with questions. And I, and I hope and I continue to pray that the, this book is the source, is the guide that I will use as that direction. That's not my own experience. It's not my, some of those play into it. But that this sets the foundation uh, for those beliefs and those principles and those truths. This book is not going to answer where I'm going to eat today. <laughs> but it may answer how I choose to spend my money and where I eat and how I do those types of things and how I interact with people. So it's not going to answer specifics of what job we should have or what we necessarily need a specific answer for, but it's good to give you the principles and the foundation to be that guide. Psalm 119 is kind of an expansion of, of Psalm uh, 19, verses 7 through 9. 
It says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the ordinance of the Lord is reliable and altogether righteous. Psalm 119, the big takeaway, if you hear one thing this morning is this, is that God's word is able to address all situations in life. That no matter what happens in life, no matter what circumstances you're facing, no matter what's going on, that God's word is able to address all of those situations. See, the the word of God is the foundation and should be the foundation for our our decision making. Uh, Over the This morning, you're going to hear some of these phrases of of the law, the testimonies, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments, the judgments. All of these words are referring to the the, the word of God and how it reflects and affirms God's character and and who he is and what he longs for us. The scriptures reflect the never-changing, always reliable word of God. And we can have confidence that God's word will never change. They can be trusted from start to finish, and the Bible uh, may not be able to answer all of our questions, but when it comes to the area in our life where we need answers and guidance, uh, it can be that foundation because it can be trusted. So we're going to dive in. Psalm 119, verses uh, 1 through 8. How happy are those (coughs) whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction, Happy are those who keep his decree and seek him with all of their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statues, then I would not be ashamed when I think about your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart. And when I learn from your righteous judgments, I will keep your statues. Uh, Never abandon me. That no matter what's going on in life, no matter what decision, all the situations that surround my life at times, that I can continue to uh, come to your word as this guide that is going to direct my life, that is not going to lead me astray, that is going to continue uh, to bring delight into my life. Uh, Psalm uh, 119, 33 through 40 says, teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes. And I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction and I will obey it and follow it with all of my heart. Help me stay on the path of your commands for I take pleasure in it. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to dishonest profit. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless and give me life in your ways. Confirm what you said to your servant for it produces reverence for you. Turn away the disgrace I dread. Indeed, your judgments are good. How I long for your precepts. Give me life through your righteousness. Over and over and over again, we're going to continue to see and hear this morning, uh, Psalm 119, uh, speak this truth. That the best life that God has for us is if when we continue to submit and allow his decrees, his commands, his laws, his word, guide our life. No matter what decision it is, from the smallest to the biggest. That the foundations and the principles that God's word has for us can and will sustain all of those. And that they will never lead us astray. They may not be the answers we want to hear. They may be difficult. uh, But they are true and righteous and endure forever. Psalm 
119, 105 is, is probably one of the, the most famous verses in this psalm. It says this, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me a life according to your word. Lord, please accept my free will offerings of praise and to teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your degree, decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. That no matter what's going on in our lives, the, the darkest of circumstances, the worst of tragedies or, or situations that we can find ourselves, that God's word can be and will be a light if we allow it to, that will guide us. That when life is just feels overwhelming at times, that this can bring about uh, joy and delight because we've, we've learned it, we've meditated on it, we've allowed it to dig deep and to recall back at times uh, who God is and his character and what he longs for each and every one of his children. I have this lighthouse that sits in my office, uh, and it's, it's there for a few reasons. Um, a few years back, I, I did a sermon at a high school week at camp, and, um, and I talked about lighthouses, and so I used it as a prop then. Um, but throughout scripture, one of the most prominent themes that we see is that we're, we see this light in darkness. Uh, we see that Jesus is referred to as the light who came into the world that no one received, uh, but yet who did, they called children of God. We see in Matthew, uh, he, he tells us to be a city on a hill and to, to let our light shine around others. Here we see that God's word uh, is a light, is a beacon of hope. A lighthouse is, is exactly uh, what that was. For, for people who were traveling in ships to come into ports, uh, it was a beacon of light and hope for them to, of knowing where their destination was, of where to come in safely uh, and out of harm's way, uh, to come in into the port uh, and to be guided in and directed. Uh, at times, right, we, we've, if we've seen a lighthouse up close, uh, we've seen that they're very beautiful structures built on these huge foundations, um, that they're, they're solid. They can withstand the storms that come. And inside, too, where we, we've seen uh, that, you know, the light continues to spin. And I want you to think about this for a moment. That a, a light that is spinning at some parts, right, you, you see the light and at others you don't. And so at, at, at times in our lives, um, this light, the Word of God, uh, can feel like it's just continuing to spin. That at times we get glimpses of it. Uh, at times we see it and we're allowing it to guide us and direct us. At times, from a week-to-week -week standpoint, we, we come to church and we hear it and we allow it to uh, impact us. And then at times we come back again. Um, but then at other times, right, there's the lighthouse is just a straight beacon of light. It's guiding the path of coming in. That when we allow ourselves to, to believe this word to be true, that it can guide us and direct us, and we dig deep into it and we allow it to speak to us, it's that beacon of light that's fixated on everything that we need to see and experience. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, the, 
the word is a lamp unto my feet, and we are walkers through the city of this world. We are often called to go out into its darkness, and let us never venture there without the life-giving word. Least we slip our feet, each man should use the word of God personally, practically, and habitually, that we may see his ways and see what lies in it. Over the years, um, this word has gotten me through some pretty dark situations in life. Uh, I've shared with you before, and if you've heard my story, you know there's a lot that's happened in my life of losing my parents when I was in high school um, to uh, five years ago, my wife and I losing uh, a child to other experiences and circumstances. And through those times, those have been very difficult and trying times, not only in my life personally, but our life collectively as a family uh, and in our relationship. Um, And that God's word has been uh, that light to us, that has helped guide and direct us uh, when things didn't make sense, when we didn't know where to turn, when we didn't feel like coming into this place, into worshiping God, or to uh, even being in a community we recalled back and remembered uh, the words of Scripture uh, to speak into and to continue to direct and guide our lives. And our circumstances don't have to be these big moments of life and death experiences to have that same uh, thing be true in our lives. That the day-to-day situations that we go through and the Scriptures that we can recall to help us navigate the, the smallest of decisions of how should I treat my coworker in the cubicle next to me? How should I treat a classmate? How should I respond to someone uh, in the grocery store when they cut me off and skip in line or whatever it may be? That in all circumstances, in all situations, God's word can be our guide and give us direction. Our second point this morning is this, uh, is that God's word is true. Today in our, in our culture, uh, it's not uncommon to question what is true. Uh, we can have huge debates about it, and we do. Uh, but this book has withstood the, test of, uh, withstood the test of time for thousands of years now. It's still one of the most uh, popular, popular and most sold uh, books in the world. Um, and I believe that because it's, because it's true. You in, in your life have come to this book, have come to God and experienced truth that you wouldn't have been able to experience anywhere else. That in those moments, um, you've been reassured and tested that this is true. Psalm 119, 137 through 144 says this. It says, you are righteous, Lord, and your judgments are just. The decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy. My anger overwhelms me because my foes forget your words. Your word is completely pure, and your servant loves it. I am insignificant and despised, but I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your instruction is true. Trouble and distress have overtaken me, but your commands are my delight. Your decrees are righteous forever. Give me understanding, and I will live. That we, in the midst of those times, can come to God's word because we can trust it, because it is true and it endures forever. Psalm 119, 160. 
The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. This morning I said that what we were talking about is probably nothing that you've not heard before. (laughs) To hear that God's word can be our guide and to hear that God's word is true is things hopefully you'd hear in a church. (laughs) It's hopefully that you've heard before as even as a young kid growing up or even outside the church that you've heard these, these truths that have been spoken this morning. But when it comes to our each and everyday life, of decisions we make or don't make, are we allowing this book, are we allowing God's word to be the guide that puts us on the, the path that he would have for us? Because remember, 82% of us, myself included, research on my own. And then I usually skip a step and then I ask, a trusted person who has built their foundation on the word of God. But what would happen? What would our decisions look like? What would the outcomes be? What would the circumstances surrounding those decisions and that direction, what would it, how would it be different if we allowed this to be the first place we went to? A few months ago, I, I, I did a sermon and we were talking about prayer. And And the same thing I said then is is true with this. Prayer is usually one of our last efforts. I've done this, and I've done this, and this, and then I say, I guess, well, now I can pray. But what if prayer, and what if going to God's word were the first things that we did? How would things be different? And I would argue to say they would be drastically different. The peace and the understanding we have with the decisions we make, even though it may not be what we thought should have been or was or is, there would be a different uh, attitude and approach about it. See, the overall message of Psalm 119 focuses on the truth of God's word. It encourages us through every generation to stay close and to focus on his word no matter what. No matter what swirls around us in this world, living in the freedom and the knowledge of God's ways, obeying his laws above all else, and keeping in step with his commandments is the only way to truly live wise and strong lives. And so this morning I want to end as we began with Psalm 119, 1 and 2. It says this, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with their heart. This morning, your next step may be uh, to begin to take this book seriously for the first time. To allow a, a regular rhythm of spending time in it and understanding God's ways and his decrees. Maybe memorizing those Ten Commandments and understanding how those apply uh, to Jesus' teaching in the New Testament when he tells us to love God and to love people. Um, maybe it's to, to go and to read as our students did this past year. And spend 22 days reading Psalm 119. Just reading uh, alphabet letter at a time, section by section. Eight verses a day for 22 days. Allowing that to, ref- to reflect on it. Not just read it, but reflect on it and meditate and see, what am I learning about God? What am I learning about myself or others? And how is this going to change me and the way I interact with those around me? And so I encourage you. I challenge you to put this to the test. 
to allow this book to be your guide, uh, to, to be a trusted resource that you go to day in and day out for the decisions that you make in your life. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity uh, to be encouraged by your word and the truth that it has for us, and that your, your righteousness endures forever, and that we can take delight in your word, and that your word can be a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. And that it can give us direction and guidance in every situation that we come up against. We thank you and we love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.